This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you're listening to the Sunday Twilight Show with Maud. It is 5 p.m. on Sunday, the 18th of June, 2023. You can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is an interview with Yannick, MFL teacher. Welcome! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. late afternoon and early evening fellow educators and dear listeners. This is my 40th radio show as your hostess and I'm very excited to have reached such a high number. But first I have to introduce myself for any new potential listener. I am Maud, a French citizen of French and West African ancestry. I have been living in the UK since 2008 and I'm a professional educator working in a secondary state school in North London where I teach both languages as well as humanities, French, Spanish, history and geography. I also have experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at profprofmfl, all views on my own. So today I wanted to celebrate my 40th podcast at Teachers Talk Radio and uh, I chose to do something I do rarely because of time constraint and I actually asked someone to come and talk to us for an interview. So um, today's podcast is about this educator, his name is Yannick, he is a French teacher and in both meanings, he's a teacher of French as a subject, and he also happens to be a French person as well. So we're going to listen to Yannick in a very short time. This podcast is relevant to parents of children in schools, parents of children who study a language, anyone who is an educator working in the UK and abroad, and the curious and savvy interested in knowing what's going on in schools. MFL is the specialty that Yannick has. It stands for Modern Foreign Languages. Most modern foreign languages taught in the UK are usually Spanish and French. Spanish is the first uh, language chosen in numbers. Then there's French coming after that. There is German as well. And then you have um, fewer numbers who are studying heritage languages such as uh, Mandarin, Urdu, Polish, Turkish, uh, Arabic, Hebrew and you have a few as well who can do uh, Greek and Latin as well. Now the interview is about teaching Spanish and French but MFL in general. 
I just wanted to remind you what is the context today for teachers. We have a workforce in the UK which is approximately 970,000. That's mostly teachers, five out of 10 are teachers. And we have um, obviously also some teaching assistants who are 280,000. Now the pupil to teacher ratio Obviously, it's an average. It might not really be relevant, but it's still 18 students per teacher. Now, in my experience, it is extremely rare to have classes with less than 20 students, but the ratio is still at 18. Um, we do have a quite a high number of teachers who come into the professions, but lately, since 2010, we have a lot of teachers who leave the professions after uh, joining in the five first years of their training. The reasons for this crisis in teacher retention are many. Um, we are gonna discuss it briefly with Yannick, um, but just in order for you to have an idea of what a teacher earns in the UK, the median pay, the median salary for teachers is 40,000. So it is much higher than um, the average wage in the UK. In London, the median wage is still 25,000 a year. So a teacher uh, usually makes almost double that amount. Now, the number of hours taught uh, is um, usually 1,000, but um, it's calculated here for all teachers. So that would be 2,406,872 hours. Not very relevant. For us now there is a teacher training crisis as well as a teacher retention crisis and i'm looking at figures that were published on the department for education website so very official figures they are six months old figures and they say that the number of, of young people who try to become teachers and start a journey by uh, becoming initial teacher uh, trainee has severely decreased lately. So we have less than 29,000 young graduates who are signing up for a teacher training career. And it's a fall by 20% compared to last year. So in a year, we lost 20% of new entrants to the profession. So this is very worrying. Now, I also mentioned that there is a growing discontent. It's not a winter discontent, it is a summer discontent. And you might have heard the news, there will be two more days of strike in the UK for teachers who are union members. These strike days are coming very soon. They're coming on the Wednesday, the 5th of July and Friday, the 7th of July. Now, these two strike days are mostly to address the issue of pay, but not only. A lot of teachers are also using these strike days to voice their, their anger and their frustration at having to work in difficult conditions. Now, because we did mention the fact that there's a, a, a training crisis, it is important to remember that we need to replace the teachers who are leaving. 
And we also need to hire new teachers. There is a, a teacher retention crisis coupled with a teacher training crisis, which creates havoc because we do not have enough teachers who stay in a school. And then we need to hire supply teachers. And the problem with supply teachers is that they cost more for the budget for the schools. And also behavior management is a bit more tricky when the teachers do not know the students very well. So all these issues we're going to talk about with uh, Yannick, but first I would like to listen to the news because we're going to hear more about these strike days coming. So dear listeners, let's listen to the news. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio news. The Telegraph reported this week on calls from some academics for schools to ban smartphones. The article refers to devices as extremely dangerous over fears that they damage cognitive ability. The research by academics in Australia suggests that phones can be hazardous to children as they have a negative effect on learning, social skills and mental health. Dr Mark Williams, an honorary professor of cognitive neuroscience at Macquarie University in Sydney, is quoted as saying that having a phone in a pocket or bag decreases working memory capacity and that this means children don't learn as well. He goes on to say that there are zero benefits to smartphones in schools. Dr Williams went on to add that other research studies have shown that smartphones also link to causes of depression, anxiety and body dysmorphia. In Spain, phones have been banned from schools in some regions since 2015. University of Valencia academics found that pupils' test scores in some core subjects improved. In the USA, researchers at an Ohio hospital found that screen time led to lower brain functioning and a study in Malaysia published in 2020 found that the presence of a smartphone decreased the ability of undergraduates to accurately recall information. The current Department for Education and Advice in England is that head teachers are best placed to make decisions about phones and their use in school. The value of learning a foreign language is often discussed in schools, but in Germany, there have been calls for primary schools to scrap English lessons. 
the president of the German Teachers Association, has said that schools should focus on German reading and maths instead. His remarks come as German students scored lower than their peers in other countries in the International Primary School Reading Survey. Heinz-Peter Meidinger told German broadcasters that focusing on English was a wrong priority and that more attention should be paid to reading skills, writing skills and arithmetic. The BBC reports that MPs have launched an inquiry into Ofsted school inspections, looking at how useful they are to parents, governors and schools in England. Education Select Committee Chairman Robin Walker said Ofsted had an important role, but that there had been a groundswell of criticism in recent months. Ofsted itself has said it welcomed the inquiry, but that it had already made changes. MPs will consider how inspections affect the workload and well-being of school staff and pupils, and what contribution its reports make to helping schools improve. The issues likely to be discussed are the current system of awarding one overall grade to a school, and whether it is right to deem a school inadequate if inspectors raise concerns about child welfare. Parents, school governors, teachers and unions will be able to submit evidence alongside the government and Ofsted itself. Ofsted have already made changes, particularly to the complaints process, but the NAHT's Paul Whiteman said the changes didn't go far enough. Finally, in the West Midlands, the BBC reports that a 91-year-old former teacher is helping children develop their literacy skills from a living room. Diane Idols has five pupils she reads with over an online platform aimed at helping children progress with reading. She said the volunteering work had filled a huge hole in her life after the death of her husband. Mrs Idols volunteers through the Bookmark Reading Charity, which matches trained volunteers with primary children struggling with reading. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to answer the question we all want to know. What is the best presentation software? I do promise to give you an answer this week after leaving you on a cliffhanger, but first a quick recap for those who missed last week or fast forwarded me. Considering most lessons delivered in a classroom contain some sort of presentation, it's possible that our students are facing up to a thousand presentations a year. This isn't a bad thing as we are presenting information and that's what the software is designed to do. However, like a display you spend ages on, how long does it take before it stops being noticed? Do we really know what experience a pupil gets through a typical week in school? Are they being engaged or do they know how to look like they are listening? Don't worry, there is no way I'm going to mention slants here if you're thinking that is where I was going next. The answer is there is no best presentation software. As I've already mentioned, there are lots of free and paid for presentation apps out there. The key to success is which one do you choose? This is where a lot of people go wrong. They ask someone else's opinion. What works for one may not work for another. The choice you make depend on two key words, purpose and audience. When you choose the method of presentation for a lesson, you need to be thinking about the best way to grab focus. In the end, our job is to encourage long-term remembering. So if the lesson is about remembering short text-based facts and you have powerful images that back up what you're saying, a looping PowerPoint presentation or equivalent may do the job. Do you want to embed a lot of web links and videos? Why not take a look at Wakelet, a free way to collect web links together and share them. You can present with it and then hand the link off for self-discovery. Most app developers today aim 
aim to make their apps intuitive. So changing things around shouldn't be too hard for you to get to grips with. And you may just find engagement rises. And in the end, that's what it's all about. What do you do to engage pupils? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, we are facing two more strike days coming in July. There is a teacher training crisis and a teacher retention crisis. I wanted to know more about what it is to be a teacher in the UK. So, I approached Yannick, who has been teaching for quite a few years. So, without further ado, let's let's meet Yannick. Uh, so welcome, uh, Yannick. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to uh, be able to uh, speak with people about education, which is what we really need to talk about, because there's so much that is going on at the moment. There's been a strike announced, and I wanted to have that occasion to talk to someone who is um, an experienced professional and have um, your opinion on a few topics. So first, my question is, how long have you been working in education, Yannick? So I did my PGC uh, in New York in 1999 and started working in 2000. So it's very easy to remember how long I've been in education. You can do the math. 23 years, (laughs) (laughs) which is a a lifetime already. Um, So you are very experienced, definitely. And you have seen many, many educationals. I mean, Secretary of Education. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Many changes. Can I just ask you something? Do you remember who was the um, Education Secretary or the Secretary of Education when you started in 2000? No, because at the time, actually, I don't think I was interested at all in anything other than enjoying my life and enjoying teaching without any interference from. And there was a lot less of that. You know, you just did your job. You didn't really care about I mean, Twitter didn't exist. So there was no way of, you know, really being interested in these things. True. And also, I guess um, you are from France originally, aren't you, Yannick? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it takes time to get used to the political system here. It's a bit different from France. So when you started, you might not have all that knowledge that you gathered over the years. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. So, but I'll have to Google it to see who uh, was the education <laughs> secretary, just oh, out of curiosity. It was a trick question already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so you said you trained in York. Um, can I ask you, how come you were in York, if that's okay? Yes, I mean, it's a bit of a long story, but I, the bottom line is I, you know, I, when I was um, studying English in France, I ended up being an assistant, obviously, where I met my future wife. And at some point, we ended up in um, in Edinburgh. And I was a lecturer there at the University of Edinburgh, which is, was great. Yeah. And, you know, after quite a few years of, you know, not doing much, I decided, right, I need to do to have a proper job. And I needed to do a PGCE. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, at the time, you know, it was very hard for me to 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 find a place. So, of course, I mean, my wife's from um, Northern Ireland. So the first choice was Belfast, where I didn't even get an interview. Second choice was Glasgow. And last choice, I had that massive UCAS book with all the universities. And I thought, England, I, 
my my town is twin with Loughborough, um, but I, I didn't necessarily want to go there. So anyway, I looked at that massive book and flicked through it. And the very, very last uni was obviously alphabetical York. Yeah. Okay. And it says, University of York, foreigners welcome. I thought, oh, I'm going there. And <laughs> and I've been there ever since. So how, how is life is strange? Yeah, absolutely. You but you've got to be very up. careful very careful with decisions made like that and you know it, it worked so you know sometimes fate um is the, yeah. the only thing we need to follow and it's so funny that you had the book because now obviously we do the application yeah. Yeah. Um, online but you had to have the paper book and york yeah. is the last oh that's a lovely story actually <laughs> i've been to york it's a beautiful town so i think that was definitely a, a good move uh, if you like architecture uh, as well indeed so you trained and you did your PGC. It was just one year then, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And how was your experience of training at your university? I was I was very lucky. I think we had we had amazing tutors really, um, who were you know very proactive and they both you know they they did um, write quite a lot of books at the time. And actually, I realized that the reason why foreigners were welcome is that because they used us to be some of the voices in their in their books, so it was useful for them to have <laughs> natives. <laughs> well, I guess it's a good exchange, isn't it? Your yeah, because we got paid as well, you know. So yeah. it was amazing. So you were you were uh, involved in a lot of other things than just teaching, then, because that was book writing and. Um, no, no, just just doing the voices for the for 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 some books, you know. We ah, we okay. I didn't do anything. audio books. Yes. Uh, no, like textbooks and and um, oh, revision books. I see. So the because our our tutors were our tutors were part of writing books for for schools. You know, like the um, right. Avantage series and things like that. Okay, I see. I'm I'm not familiar with that one because I came later in the UK, but I'm it's sure very some, old. Okay, some of our <laughs> listeners might be. So you did your training, and then how many years did you have to do uh, for to to become a qualified teacher? Because now it's two years to be an yeah. ECT, and I did one year because I was an NQT. What were you called, and how long did it last for you? Yeah, so did I. Just one year. So I finished in. Uh june 99 and i was qualified by june 2000. okay and what was your experience in your the, your first days in schools in in the uk i i i really like it i think again my first school was was you know really really a good school um and and yeah i think i i enjoy teaching really in the in the first i was teaching french and spanish um that for six years in my first school and it was yeah it was really nice made really good friends you know people i still see after all this time and you know, I've, I've moved quite a bit since but um mm -hmm. yes i think you know the the team the team was nice we had good support um yeah, yeah loved it. were you were you struggling with workload and um did you notice that sometimes you had to spend your whole weekends preparing lessons uh interestingly no i i seem to do that more now than i did at the start um I certainly remember, uh, and I always tell that story. Like in my in my first school, I certainly remember coming back from uh, from my holiday from the boat in Hull and being left on the training day. Uh, on my wife going back home and leaving me on the on the training day on my first day back without any thought about even results or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So you could enjoy your free weekends at that time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it has changed a lot then because you you do yeah. mention the fact that now 
um, do you spend some of your weekends working, preparing lessons? Yes, I mean, I think I've, I've taken on a, a new job in January, which is in a, in a school down Leeds, and I'm, I'm a head of faculty. So I've, I've had to go back to most of my Saturday. I spend at least five hours working, but that's, that's because it's new and I, I want to make quite a few changes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's still, it's still a, bit, a bit of a shock to me because I, it's been a long time since I've worked like that at weekends. Okay, but you are a head of faculty, I guess, so that implies more duties. Yes. Of course, which which is, you know, which is quite normal. I know, I know that. OK, so now I have a personal question and um, you feel free to answer it in the way you want. What sort of student were you when you were in school? And I assume that was mostly in France. Yes. So um, did you like school? Um, did you have a good relationship with your teachers? How? Yes, how you? So I, did, I, I did very much enjoy school and I was, you know, I've, I've got a lot of sympathy for lazy boys i was one of these lazy boys so i just I, I basically you know sat there doing very little but i did listen though you know i did listen and i enjoyed i enjoyed again i think i had um i was lucky to have mainly very good teachers with very different styles qualities who really shared their passion and i was very happy to go to school and listen uh i wasn't doing much you know in in terms of answering questions or making notes so I, w I was a typical very lazy boy but i enjoyed being there and listening to listening to things and it's probably what you know what influenced me to be a teacher to be honest i mean i also did summer camps as a you know as a anim animator an an animation so i've always kind of liked being with with other people so um but yes, in terms of of work, no, I, and you know what, I'm I'm I've got two sons, and I'm I'm kind of actually really impressed at how my sons, I mean, one is doing A level, has has worked so hard, harder than I ever have, you know, when I was at his age. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I do understand that attitude of boys in uh, my sons are very different from me, and I, I'm quite impressed. Never guess that from my wife, obviously not me, but. Uh, or maybe um, um, because you're very supportive also when we have a supportive parent sometimes the children want to do more true we did I, I did we did help them a lot more than my parents would have helped me for example but that's because we are in education as well i, su I suppose and it makes a yes, big difference yes. you know checking homework uh, supporting so. the school with with work yes indeed and it's also a cultural thing i mean generational because um i think Previous generations assumed that we were given all the things we needed at school and that they didn't need to interfere much, yeah. uh, whereas yeah. it's a bit different now. So you had a positive experience at school. You were not so keen on homework, maybe, but you still listened and enjoyed the lessons. Do you um, did you have some subjects you were really interested in more than others? I, yeah, I was more interested in uh, in uh, in the literary subjects, like you know, I did French, uh, and I did I did Latin, Spanish, and English. So I, I was very much in two languages from from the start. I think that was always been my my passion, really. Good. So from an early age. rubbish at math and science. You know, oh, like I hear you. I'm stereotypical, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why we end up being language teachers. I know. I know. Um, and you mentioned in passing that you had some teachers that you really enjoyed the lessons of. So do you remember some of these influential teachers and why do you think you still remember them? Yes, I think, I mean, definitely my French Latin teacher was probably my, my biggest influence. And he was, uh, 
he was suppose he was very strict and pushed us. I think these these are the te teachers who pushed us. He, he, you know, he did a lot. Of, he made us do things, so many things that were not on the curriculum or that a traditional teacher wouldn't do. So we had, for example, to learn. I mean, that, I, th I think you'd get complaints if you did that kind of stuff today. But made us learn all the the departments in in French. You know, their numbers and 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 their um and their um main town. Yes. and tested us on it i mean <laughs> very old school it, it indeed ended up very of course incredibly useful you know when now yes. you get a number say, yeah that's sensitive how do you know that well you, ne you never <laughs> you can never unlearn things you know when when kids say i don't remember I say, it's it's not true you can't you can never forget things they're here somewhere and then and they come back when you when you need them sure. um i think it was a requirement of the certificate d'étude um way way back because my grandfather who was born in the 20s had to learn all the departments and the names of the cities the main cities and the number um, but obviously when i came to education in my turn in the 80s um, that was long gone so your your teacher was obviously from maybe closer to my grandfather's generation Definitely. and um, um, now obviously the regions have changed so I, I can see my son, for instance, learning his French regions, and um, I have to learn them with him because they're new. They've been changed by President Macron. Yeah. So it's it's funny to see um, how um, we we have these um, these different requirements. So that was your French teacher who had a strong influence on you for being strict, pushy, having very high expectations of you, but making quite an impact. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So now let's go back to you and your uh, teaching experience. You said you um, became a teacher in 1999 and then uh, uh, qualified in 2000. So what do you do in your daily job that you've been doing since? What are your main responsibilities at work? So, I mean, I suppose, I mean, I started teaching French and Spanish, then I moved on to uh, a college of further education for about 10 years. And that was a very different experience. Um, and I kind of made my way up there, to be honest, um, from a tutor to um, head of a, a department that was languages and international, which was absolutely amazing. Sometimes I wonder why I left, but we had on top of the A-level languages, we had all the international students, which um, included some Norwegians and and uh, some people from all over the world, uh, which gave me great opportunities to visit other countries as well at, at the time. Sounds great. And then. Yes, and and I moved back to education. I think at some point I was, uh, I mean, I, I still am to some extent, but I got stuck to the head of department level and I just couldn't move up. So the further education wasn't good to go back in school. So I, I went back as a, as a head of uh, languages and humanities. Uh, and and then after that, I got uh, I got a little bit fed up. So I, I ended up being on supply for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Very quickly got back into a job and now um, ended up in a in a school in South Leeds, which is which is a lot, uh, which is something very different from what I've ever done before. It's very um, it's a deep school with a lot of deprivation, and and of course for me, I've always taught in middle class white people's school, and I tell you what, I, I there's I that so reinvigorated my teaching to be in a school with so many. Uh, so many kids from different uh, origins. Uh, I, I absolutely love the kids there. Uh, and, and so the head of head of uh, 
MFL, uh, Business, ICT, and Computer Science, which is, which is quite exciting as well. Cool. So I see you've, you've mentioned something very interesting. You said that it's almost like a different job, isn't it, to teach in a middle-class affluent area from um, a school where the student intake is, is more diverse and where there's high level of poverty or deprivation. And then you also said that there was um, a limit to how how up you can go in your in the hierarchy of a school because once you become a head of languages or head of department there's nowhere else to go if you do want to stay and remain in the teaching side of things yes because i guess otherwise you have to become senior leadership team which is less time with students more times that is devoted to administration or maybe liaison with um, other uh, institutions such as other colleges or sometimes social workers or the police or so it might not be the direction you want as a teacher but you're stuck in a position once you've reached that level um, you mentioned working with children who have obviously some uh, high level of poverty or deprivation what do you see in your practice? How do you know your children are struggling or your students are struggling? Financially, yeah, that's, it's, it's financially. Uh, I mean, some some students will say, um, I think it's more from the uh, from the information you get from the school. Um, so, you know, from from the information from the school, I know that there's I mean, supposedly about 70 percent of, of, of people who are uh, who are struggling financially and in the in the pupil premium uh, category? Yeah. Um, but you know, in 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 the children themselves, I tell you what, they they come in uniforms, and you don't necessarily see that they come. They are, you know, in terms of the, I mean, our our kids, I suppose, are very lazy, and we don't have. Well, I think we, the way we're going is languages for all. You know, French and Spanish, and I like that because we are, I think, very ambitious for our students, and our students certainly are the same as anywhere else you know what i mean we we can push them as much as anybody else you know there's nothing to do with poverty or anything if you've got a good systems the, the kids will come will follow you and will learn as much as anywhere else and i think it's it's very important that um at the minute uh, we we're not there i think our, our students are too too passive but i they are some amazing students as well you know Okay, so you did say that you only know about what they um, go through in their personal lives through your school. Uh, I, I assume you you have CPDs, you have uh, safeguarding yeah. and pastoral meetings. Uh, you might use uh, some software where you collect data. This is yeah. what all schools have to do. Did you have to do such an amount uh, of safeguarding or data collecting and analysis when you started in your profession in the 2000? Or has it been increasing since? Yes, I think it's, it's the it's the training to respond to to events. I think that's that's increased. Uh, something I've always liked in England compared to France, for example, I thought we we know our students so well compared to to a teacher in France, and I really love this. I think it's it's nice. We've got we've got too much the other way in that everything can be made if you want. You can turn any any little event into something really big, but it's um, and some of the training is useful. I think you know, be uh, like keeping children safe in school, of course, because there's so many things that you don't necessarily know from your students. 
uh, and you do, of course you do talk to your students, but not necessarily in your lessons. So, it, and it, and I think a lot of people have uh, a lot of teachers. I mean, I certainly have colleagues who are amazing at you know being sussing out what was going on in a student life, but just by and 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 I thought that's that's quite amazing. And so that the training is useful. Sometimes it, it it's a little bit of a shame that it's out of context and it's a it's a reading and tick box. And I think people people are not happy with that because you know we generally we are here to help students. Of course, we are. So yes, training is useful. I think uh, it, it is time consuming. That's the problem. You end up doing this on a Monday after school for two hours when you've taught five lessons. Well, <laughs> difficult, isn't it? To to be remain focused and 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 keen. And it, it's yes, often yes. seen as a tick box rather than a, well, yes, not. Indeed. Um, I think you are really uh, right when you say that we have to teach our subject, which takes time and energy. And then we have to do this safeguarding, this wraparound care almost. Yeah. And it's on top. It's not counted into our hours. And yes. it's very fiddly sometimes. I don't know which software you use. We use Sims in my school and there's a ton of clicking. And sometimes I have um, pain in my elbow because I do so many repetitive movements, clicking and writing um, elements about a child. Or when you f make a phone call, you have to fill that in and record it. So it's, it's adding to the daily tasks a lot. Obviously, it's very useful. But I'm also sometimes feeling a little bit like I know too much about my students. I, I really wonder if um, I know it's important for safeguarding, yes. but, but I do feel like confidentiality. Sometimes teachers are all the teachers, which is maybe a hundred people are told that such and such uh, is now in foster care or such and such mm -hmm. has lost their moms or such and such. Uh, should not be left alone with uh, a member of staff because uh, there's a history of allegations against staff. So we have very, very deep confidential information given to us. Sometimes we don't even know these students because we don't teach them. And mm -hmm. it makes me feel really uneasy. I don't know. What do you feel about this? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you're right. Um, what, one of the things which is difficult in our job, you know, and that's when students come in my lessons, sometimes I tell them, right, we we leave our problems outside of that door. This classroom is such a safe environment where we are going to learn Spanish for an hour. And and it is difficult because it's not what, what people are about. Of course, sometimes you come in a lesson with your baggage you want to do. And that, sometimes myself, I come in a lesson not wanting to do any work. That's me, the teacher. Of course, it happens to us all. And sometimes sometimes I will. And I think that's that's where it's difficult because my scheme of work is like yours, like everybody is so tight. Uh, six uh, on a 60 minute lesson you've got to teach 59 minutes complete absolutely nonsense and sometimes i'll be happy to give students a reading task okay you've got 15 minutes to do this and then you go around you talk to your students and then you can have a bit of banter you can get to know them a little bit um find out that some of them you know just found that some one girl who turned up to my lesson like three times and then uh, i saw her in the show she was a dancer amazing dancer well, of course, you know, next Spanish lesson, I'm going to have a bit of banter with her and say, I'm going to, to teach you bailo, you know, bailo in old tenses. That's what you got. And it, that's that's what you use to to build relationships, of course. And if if when we talk, as you know, you know, Twitter is a lot about relationships. And yeah, OK, 
of course you of course you need to build relationships that that's so that's so obvious but you you need time to build relationships and you also need systems you can't build relationships out of thin air when you come into a, a room yeah of course we know there's no relationship so does that mean the kids are going to mess about for like a year before you ah it's absolute nonsense that and it's really I forgot what your question was probably by then. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's really hard to build a relationship with 30 people in a room for 60 minutes as well. I mean, well, what, a, what a juggling act, you know? Hey, it, it, as you know, it's hard to build a relationship with one person who's your partner. So, <laughs> you know. Over years, yeah. Well, we, we have maybe five years with the students we have in front yeah. of us. But you and know. Such important years. Um, so now before, um, I ask you the next question, I'm gonna just pause the recording and I'm gonna let you listen to the news one more time. Thank you, dear listeners. We get back to Yannick's interview after the news. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This program has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go well-being and mental health program will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio news the telegraph reported this week on calls from some academics for schools to ban smartphones the article refers to devices as extremely dangerous over fears that they damage cognitive ability the research by academics in australia suggests that phones can be hazardous to children as they have a negative effect on learning, social skills and mental health. Dr Mark Williams, an honorary professor of cognitive neuroscience at Macquarie University in Sydney, is quoted as saying that having a phone in a pocket or bag decreases working memory capacity and that this means children don't learn as well. He goes on to say that there are zero benefits to smartphones in schools. Dr. Williams went on to add that other research studies have shown that smartphones also link to causes of depression, anxiety and body dysmorphia. In Spain, phones have been banned from schools in some regions since 2015. University of Valencia academics found that pupils' test scores in some core subjects improved. In the USA, researchers at an Ohio hospital found that screen time led to lower brain functioning and a study in Malaysia published in 2020 
found that the presence of a smartphone decreased the ability of undergraduates to accurately recall information. The current Department for Education advice in England is that head teachers are best placed to make decisions about phones and their use in school. The value of learning a foreign language is often discussed in schools, but in Germany, there have been calls for primary schools to scrap English lessons. The president of the German Teachers Association has said that schools should focus on German reading and maths instead. His remarks come as German students scored lower than their peers in other countries in the International Primary School Reading Survey. Heinz-Peter Meidinger told German broadcasters that focusing on English was a wrong priority and that more attention should be paid to reading skills, writing skills and arithmetic. The BBC reports that MPs have launched an inquiry into Ofsted school inspections, looking at how useful they are to parents, governors and schools in England. Education Select Committee Chairman Robin Walker said Ofsted had an important role, but that there had been a groundswell of criticism in recent months. Ofsted itself has said it welcomed the inquiry, but that it had already made changes. MPs will consider how inspections affect the workload and well-being of school staff and pupils, and what contribution its reports make to helping schools improve. The issues likely to be discussed are the current system of awarding one overall grade to a school, and whether it is right to deem a school inadequate if inspectors raise concerns about child welfare. Parents, school governors, teachers and unions will be able to submit evidence alongside the government and Ofsted itself. Ofsted have already made changes, particularly to the complaints process, but the NAHT's Paul Whiteman said the changes didn't go far enough. Finally, in the West Midlands, the BBC reports that a 91-year-old former teacher is helping children develop their literacy skills from a living room. Diane Idols has five pupils she reads with over an online platform aimed at helping children progress with reading. She said the volunteering work had filled a huge hole in her life after the death of her husband. Mrs Idols volunteers through the Bookmark Reading Charity, which matches trained volunteers with primary children struggling with reading. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to answer the question we all want to know. What is the best presentation software? I do promise to give you an answer this week after leaving you on a cliffhanger, but... First, a quick recap for those who missed last week or fast-forwarded me. Considering most lessons delivered in a classroom contain some sort of presentation, it's possible that our students are facing up to a thousand presentations a year. This isn't a bad thing as we are presenting information and that's what the software is designed to do. However, like a display you spend ages on, how long does it take before it stops being noticed? Do we really know what experience a pupil gets through a typical week in school? Are they being engaged or do they know how to look like they are listening? Don't worry, there is no way I'm going to mention slant here if you're thinking that is where I was going next. The answer is there is no best presentation software. As I've already mentioned, there are lots of free and paid for presentation apps out there. The key to success is which one do you choose? This is where a lot of people go wrong. They ask someone else's opinion. What works for one may not work for another. The choice you make depend on two key words, purpose 
and audience. When you choose the method of presentation for a lesson, you need to be thinking about the best way to grab focus. In the end, our job is to encourage long-term remembering. So if the lesson is about remembering short text-based facts and you have powerful images that back up what you're saying, a looping PowerPoint presentation or equivalent may do the job. Do you want to embed a lot of web links and videos? Why not take a look at Wakelet, a free way to collect web links together and share them. You can present with it and then hand the link off for self-discovery. Most app developers today aim to make their apps intuitive. So changing things around shouldn't be too hard for you to get to grips with. And you may just find engagement rises. And in the end, that's what it's all about. What do you do to engage pupils? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So that was the news, and while you were listening to the news, I had to check who was the Education Secretary in 2000 when Yannick started his journey into um, becoming a teacher. And the Education Secretary was David Blunkett, uh, who is now Baron Blunkett, and uh, he was obviously a member of the British Labour Party and working under Tony Blair and the government and he's originally from Sheffield so yeah it was a Tory um, it was a Labour government in the early 2000 when Yannick started his teacher training and became a qualified teacher now let's go back to Yannick So Yannick, you were talking about your experience uh, as a teacher in your daily practice. And what I recall from what you said is that you are quite passionate about building um, relationship with your students. You really care about having this connection with them. You mentioned a, a student who was really good in dance and you wanted to, to use that hobby to to teach her a little bit more about Spanish. So you seem like you're someone who's really, really caring and wants the best for their students. So now my question is, um, what are the difficulties you face in your profession at the moment and what could help you overcome these difficulties? Yeah, so I say, I think, I mean, what I'm, what I'm going to say, I, I bet a lot of people will, will uh, identify with this. I think it's become, difficult to remain passionate and to engage students. I think engaging students has become really difficult. Um, uh, and the level of scrutiny and and the involvement of the public in our job has made it very demanding, I think, in terms of, you know, levels of energy that you need, res resilience. We talk about the students' resilience, but ours is <laughs> incredible. You know, mental health, and and combined with like you know poor behavior and lack of parental support i think has made our job so much more uh demanding i mean of, of if you teach five lessons in a day and i think i don't think you can talk about it if you don't it is it is i i, I don't do that often because i'm, I'm ahead of faculty but sometimes but i've still got a few like one day a week where i teach five lessons a day and that is just so tiring and i come home i'm just i'm just knackered yes. uh just just want to sleep sometimes because it's five hours of having you know 25 students and managing behavior teaching i mean it's, it's just incredible if you think about it so I often and, you know, 
sorry, uh, how often yeah, no. compare it to being on stage as an actor yeah. when you need to keep your audience attention and you, you're moving about, so it's physical, it's about projecting your voice and actors usually have one play a day. Sometimes they might have a matinee, but they have rest time between. But when you're a teacher, sometimes you could be doing this very challenging acting job because teaching is about acting a lot for five hours in a row with maybe 30 minutes break once or twice. So yeah. physically, it's extremely demanding. Yes. You're very right. Yeah. But and, and at least when you're an actor, you're all your audience has paid to come and see you. So they're at least interested. <laughs> Nowadays, but in the old days, they were allowed to bring rotten vegetables and they could oh, throw it at you yeah, if they yeah. didn't like yeah. you. So fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yes. So uh, nowadays, don't give people any ideas. <laughs> no, hopefully it wouldn't, it wouldn't do. Um, so you listed uh, difficulty to engage uh, students who are not particularly motivated too much scrutiny from, um, I guess, the Department for Education or the government, lack of parental support, and uh, very demanding working conditions that challenge a teacher's resilience on a daily basis. So it seems like teachers have um, a lot of difficulties peltering at them from different angles, yes. from parents, from government, from students. Now, what would help you in your daily working life, what sort of measure would just palliate these difficulties, according to you? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a difficult question because everybody will have their, you know, one, uh, one thing that they really uh, don't like. Uh, so it's, I, I don't think it's an easy question. I, I would say, I mean, probably never teaching more than four lessons a day yes, uh, yes. would definitely give people a bit, bit of time to breathe. Um, definitely less administration um absolutely no performance management and results accountability uh i think you know with that performance management people are would still be keen to do their own professional development i don't believe that performance management helps anybody perform or manage themselves um and probably more trust in in what we do um, and and marking as well you know it's like have ways to mark that marking I mean, for, for us in languages, we're okay, but I'm thinking my colleagues in English, it's just oh, absolutely yeah, ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I have a colleague who comes with a suitcase to bring all the marking home when she has to. So a mini yeah. suitcase. It's just... <laughs> and that, that, you know, they they should be, that should be accounted in their teaching hours. Of uh, but of course, should. we already don't have enough teachers. So of course, by giving them a couple of extra hours a week, that's not going to help anybody. But uh, it's oh, just... But unsustainable for them uh, completely oh yes but there, there are ways we could palliate that we could we could use maybe ai for marking in the future I'm, i mean we're at the beginning of ai oh, yes. but this is definitely something that could be used as a tool for good <laughs> um but for performance management did you have them when you started your profession in 2000 no you're right i don't know i don't remember mm -hmm. i don't remember Interesting. So this. Oh, we did. We did. We we did have. Um, we did have. Uh, we we did have it, but I think it, they were very much tick boxes, because yeah. I remember when when I certainly after step, you know, I actually no, I don't, because I moved on. I moved up, you know, the ladder without any questions on my results or anything like that. And at the end of the, the seven years, very 
automatically moved on to UPS one. And okay. I I remember because when I moved on, so unfortunately I went to six form, um, um, sorry, not six form FE college with, with, F, without these, you know, so I, I never moved, I could never move on UPS one, but I've got, um, a scrappy piece of paper with a with a head teacher saying well done yannick you've moved on to ups1 and that, okay. that is the paper i'm showing my it. schools as a proof you know <laughs> i got nothing else so that's how it was done at the time and yeah. and of course now I'm, I'm thinking oh there's just so much to go on ups2 that and of, co of course having moved on to being manager uh i could never be bothered going on to to ups2 so and because of all the years you've done in um, as a head or you have all the skills anyway because you couldn't yes. keep that such a job without having all the necessary skills so it would be like uh, asking a surgeon who's been practicing for 20 years if they can still operate you know of course you can still operate you have all yeah. these skills and that experience um so you mentioned reducing the, t the timetable or at least avoiding having a full day for teachers less administration less less administrative tasks um reducing the importance of the performance management and dealing with marking particularly for english or i would add as well uh history teachers yes. because they do have a lot of Absolutely. marking now that's what would make our jobs easier if we look at the education system in the UK, and it's not much different in America and in France, we have the same issues in all these countries, these European countries or these Western countries. What is your vision for education? You mentioned you have your children who just did their A-levels. Um, what sort of education would you like for their children, for instance, when they have their own children? I mean, that, that I think, that is the big debate the and I, as you see I, I was reading things that there in france we are not thinking so much about the vision for education i think it's very british thing there what is education about and i i would definitely like to see probably a more well-rounded education um it i mean it's difficult because there's many ways to see the purpose of education and you've got to be careful that you end up don't go not going all academic or all vocational um it's and and of course it's difficult because as time goes on there's a lot more things to learn so you know when we when we were in education there, there was things were a lot easier now there's just a, a wealth of things to look at and you've got to be selective in what you what you want your students to learn um so what is it about to give students skill skills and desire to learn more independently so you you learn a topic but it's the, the topic is there as you know something you're passionate about but you know the students because we we need students to to find their own their own things that they want to to look at and learn so and obviously i think there should also be more now i think probably lessons on mental well we do a lot about that but it's it's kind of on 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 the verge of all of it so you know mental health um and and i think very importantly a way for students who can't cope with with a mainstream education to be able to do something else now gove you know scrapped all of this which was a really bad idea but you know, students who, who who can't cope in a classroom, where there's other things for them to do, which are which are incredibly useful. So you know, like looking after plants, animals, um, you know, you know, and and, and and no point in them of staying in education and and not learning anything. Uh, you can learn a, you can learn a skill. You know, 
uh, it's as important as as being academic. We need we need everything in, in you know in society. So exactly, and there's there's not one thing which is better than another. If you know what I mean. Yes, um, and we see it may, maybe more in that next generation, the ones who were born um, in the end of the, at the end of the nineties and the beginning of the noughties, that actually going to university is great but you don't always manage to get a job after studying for five years in a university and sometimes yeah. those who got a skill or a trade earlier are uh, ahead in um, the way they establish their lives so they might already oh. have a mortgage or they might just yeah. be more financially independent than someone who studied at university a, a lot of people go to university because that's a good way to avoid going to work and and they go there as a, as a backup rather than, a, oh, I, that's really something I want to study in depth. Uh, well, because people are too young as well. But and, and in a way, it would be nice to have a system. I mean, that ha that does happen a lot. Actually, I've got quite a lot of friends who have gone back to education because, yeah, you do something and then you develop an interest for something and say, yeah, actually, I really want to study this. And there should be more way to support people doing this. Uh, you know, Life so, yeah, long. people. Yeah. Yes, lifelong education is really important. Um, yep. I travel to Denmark once a year and they have so such an emphasis on lifelong education. There are places where you can stay for six months. Um, it's not depending on your age. So you could be 16 all the way to 85. <laughs> There's no limit. And yep. you go there right. and you study skills. You can study pottery, you can study... Yep. Uh, French literature, you can study sport, you can study anything you want. Yeah. And it's a part of normal society. And it, it stems from that socialism that was developed uh, at the turn of the 20th century, where they wanted people to enrich their lives yeah. and through learning. So I think we should definitely look um, into that, the Danish way of seeing lifelong education, because you might Absolutely. turn 50 and want to study something about publishing and have your bookstore or any other aspects that you're interested in and we should definitely nurture this now i have a question um you might have heard that there's going to be two to three days of strikes before the end of this series. oh yeah <laughs> and i was wondering yeah. if you um were asked to become the next education secretary Let's imagine. What are the first things you would implement to improve the state of education in the UK? Yeah, so I mean, I, I tell you what, one of the things I do, it's probably very controversial. And, I, and in a way, you know, everything in, in the world, I think, depends on, on, on education in terms of the way people um, run their lives. You know, everything depends on, I would. Now, highly controversial, probably. And don't get me wrong, as someone who loves my holiday when in, in the summer I go five weeks. So that, that would actually affect me. I would implement all year around a five-week term, two-week holiday, all year around, so that we'd never have these issues with long holiday, people being able to people being able to take holiday whenever they want. And, and, and I feel for them. Yeah, of course, the, the summer, summer is too long. People can't afford it. That would solve all these problems. And people would, have, I don't know, it would be a lot, a lot easier to manage things. You know, five weeks, two weeks, people can take holiday different time of the years, or, uh, different times of the year. Uh, so I, I would definitely do that to make, I don't know. Uh, 
It's interesting because when you said something very controversial, I didn't imagine that. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, but you're talking about changing completely the way, mm -hmm. you know, people have got these, these, uh, we run our lives depending on the school holiday. If everybody does, even people who aren't in education because they will have maybe uh, grandkids, even retired people do that because they've got grandkids and grandkids follow, of course. So I, I would ch I would ch definitely change the way the school timetable is made so that in, in you know five weeks to five weeks is is perfectly fine to uh, for teachers as well. When you get seven weeks, it's awful. Like, you know, like the, yes, the first first time is awful, and and the, and the summer term well. is awful as well. They get cranky. Um, yeah. it's it's actually quite an interesting take because you know we use these two months of holidays for uh, harvesting. So it is a remnant of um, having a rural uh, population that had to be free to help yes, absolutely, with crops. Yes, forgot about that. Actually, uh, yeah. It's our agricultural past. Um, but since that, we've had the Industrial Revolution and now we are in a post-Industrial Revolution with services, media and the digital age. So it does, it does have a, a very, you do have a very good point because we do not need this big two months holiday and uh for for people who um who also struggle if you have three or four children sometimes getting childcare or entertaining yeah. the children is really difficult in the summer it's costly so this is definitely something that might help many families and i would suffer as well because i do love traveling in the summer with yeah. when i go to france just like you but i'm interested in the idea and i think we should as many ideas we should just trial it and see what happens but I, I don't think you can trial something like this but if you know what i mean it's just too big it's just um i think if you just did it in one uh, area you know like i don't know maybe one council could say oh all our schools are going to try and do that for a year and then we because in florida for instance they've trialed a four day uh, week so four working days and and three days of weekend and they have gathered data and it seems like it's a very positive change. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I would I would think obviously in America it's easier because they have a state system um, we are with different states and they're quite free in the way they organize themselves. But let's say what, what if Scotland or Wales trialed it and then we could see what happens. But definitely it's a very interesting idea, Yannick, and I'm quite curious to to see what people would say about it, more people, uh, parents and teachers as well. Now, I mean, it's also you, easier yeah? to provide, you know, for during those two weeks, you, you, you know, you've got all these sets of two weeks where we where we could have more people providing for, you know, out of school activities as well. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Sports you know, this arts. Mm -hmm. But you know, the, the four day week, I think we are, it's coming. Unfortunately, I think we're not prepared for it because it's coming because, I mean, you probably know the, situa the situation in schools is absolutely dire. The number of supply teachers in all the schools I know uh, yes. means that it's unsustainable at the minute. And so many students, even including in some really good schools I know, just get supply all the time. Yeah. I, have, I have a supply teacher in my um, department as we speak, and uh, we are trying to hire someone full time. And we can't find any anyone. It's it's, it's very stressful. Uh, it's it very frustrating, it and 
disheartening but as well. Um, if they look at what they did in Florida, it seems to be working very well. And it also uh, allows schools to save money because um, they shut the school for one more day and they okay. reduce their electricity and gas bills. Of course, yeah. Some parents were really wary and they were worried about the financial implication of finding childcare for one more day, but they got a bit of support from the state when that was implemented. And so far, I think there was um, a very high positive uh, rating for that Interesting. measure. So as you said, we might be forced into it, which is not a good sign. It means that we're not being preemptive and that we're yes. not planning ahead. But yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it appears that this is how it's done. <laughs> I mean, in my in my school at the minute, the, the behavior is is awful. Partly because, and and I heard a, a kid the other day. I was going out with my lesson. What have we got next? Oh, supply again of three supplies, three lessons of supply out of five. Uh, how how do you want them to be keen or you know engaged or and the supply yes, is yeah. hey yeah we got a supply so you know yes. stuff being chucked out you know water uh, fights <laughs> yes I know we I've had water fights uh, all last week um so that's one thing you said people are always saying we need to build relationships with our students to reduce behavior management difficulties but supply teachers can't do that because they're of there course. for one day at the most a week and there's going to be more supply teachers in the future so it's just um a conundrum as we say yeah. now uh, was there anything else you would do if you had a magic wand and you were education secretary for a day <laughs> for a day <laughs> well let's say for, I'd, for a term <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love that to see what they eat and how, how... <laughs> enjoy the day i'd enjoy the day <laughs> make some very highly controversial statement too so that people can uh, have a big bash at me <laughs> um oh they do that anyway so you would yeah. say you you would change the the timetable from five week term to and two weeks holiday and would there be anything else you would do um no i was thinking you know like four four day i was also thinking of course about the four day week now i'm pushing it you know five Five week term with four days. It's like uh, I don't think people would be. They they're going to call us lazy now. Um, oh, they've always called us lazy. Yeah. So don't worry. Um, my mum is a primary was a primary school teacher. She's retired now. And I remember when I was eight, we went to a dinner, and someone told her, "Oh, you teachers, you just spend all your time on holiday." Yeah. So yes, it's a course. very old. Uh, complaint and criticism that's been thrown at us. Um, but I think people people haven't moved on with you know they still got that vision of the teacher yes. that taught us in in the 80s who yes. indeed i think could could afford you know could have a much better lifestyle than what we have now and they were paid more as well yes uh, uh, and, and people and, haven't moved on from that they could afford more because you could have just one single income i mean one household yes. with one income and they could afford a mortgage and some holidays absolutely you can't do that anymore absolutely. i just talked to a, a, a father yesterday a parent and he told me that he was he was studying in Mexico. He was in the French lycée, so he was um, in um, in the French uh, educational system. But when he was a student in the eighties, uh, his maths teacher was smoking inside the classroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we forget as well. And also, he said that he had a, a science teacher who smelled of whiskey after uh, lunch. But he said he was an amazing teacher. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was such a different way of 
being a teacher in you know you, you're talking about these changes there do you you remember you will remember that in in when when uh, it was uh, when the law came into effect that people weren't allowed to smoke in bars yes and everybody including me think it's never ever gonna work because they yes. won't be able to police everything well it did oh it's you know from one day to the next and and when when i tell students that you know you remember that at some point I, I went to a bar and and or we came back from a, a night out and you close stank of smoke oh, I, I and all this it. and all that. I hate it. And so you know when when you really want change to happen, it does it does happen and people you know most people I would say are compliant. And yes, we are we are we we saw it in the lockdown. I mean the the yeah. people were compliant. Maybe not the people who led them, but the people were compliant. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Being controversial again. So, <laughs> Yannick, can I just say it's been such a delight to meet you today and to talk to you. I, I feel Thank like you. We, could talk, we could talk for another two hours, but obviously our time is precious because we're teachers, isn't it? Yes. But, and we're you know, working it... on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, talking about education, I could I could talk forever, forever, because because we are passionate, you know. Of and course that's, we are. That's, uh, we wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, and that's the reason we're <laughs> yeah. still here. And yes. I hope we'll still be here. So my last question is, where do you see yourselves in five years? Uh, well, I'm 50, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Probably in the same job or easing out towards retirement, going down part time. Well, retirement is quite a long time away, isn't it? 67? years old oh I, I will go before that i'm i'm okay. going at 60. um okay i, I don't I know many teachers who are 60 plus in the no. education system i'd, no. I'd love right. to interview them and see how how You're their right. working life is I, I, because... you know in the in the last few years in the last few years i've been i've been the oldest in my school well one of the oldest you're right you're right it's it's not a sustainable job when you start having uh, hearing difficulties, you know, if you can't <laughs> yes. hear the students. And also writing on the board. Um, I remember my mom stopped working at 62 and she said she couldn't write on the on the whiteboard anymore due to yeah. arthritis. So, yeah, we also need to think about that. That could be another subject, but I'm going to stop with the noise, yeah. <laughs> Dealing with the noise of the students, you know, and in languages, we need noise. Yes, we do. Oh, so that's hard as well. Yeah. Um, so, Yannick, I hope you're going to enjoy the beautiful sunshine today. And um, I want to thank you again for um, speaking with us today. Thank you for interviewing me. I, I really enjoyed that. So that was um, really lovely to speak to Yannick today. Um, 20 years of experience, um, very, uh, very interesting take on what could help teachers to prevent the teacher retention uh, crisis. Thinking of a different timetable, a yearly uh, change, or maybe a weekly change. Um, it'd be interesting to see how people would react if we were starting from September 2023 with a four-day week or with uh, more holidays spread out over the year. It would change many, many things because when we think about the summer, we think about this long stretch of time when we, we can just um, be in nature more and we can sometimes travel there there's so many books and novels and films that are set in the summer holidays 
um, it would change children literature, it would change our lifestyle, it would change uh, airplane company ticket systems, because remember, they, they basically increase their prices as soon as there's a, a summer holiday or a holiday for, um, for children. So that's a very, very potent change we could we could try. Let's see what comes next uh, in education. We are obviously looking at uh, the current education secretary, seeing if um, the threat of the strike days are going to be potent and make some changes. It's a very interesting time we're living. We don't really know what school is going to look like in five years. The only thing we know is that we have to make decisions because change is coming whether we are ready or not. Thank you so much, dear listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Yannick. It might be strange to hear French people speaking about education in the UK in English. <laughs> English is the language of communication, so it makes sense. Anyway, um, I hope you didn't mind our French accents so much. I will be coming back next week uh, with another interview with a different MFL teacher, and I hope you will tune in next Sunday at 5 p.m. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.